don't cut it no more. Want a great big pipe? And here we are in Raleigh, North Carolina for show number eight in the boat with a bunch of geeks. Wow, that was great. I'm cueing everything. How are you, Richard? (laughs) Well, I'm hot. We're finally far enough south that it's getting warm out there. I can't believe the pools are covered down here. (laughs) Well, I guess it's October for them. That's cold season. But it's 80 degrees. What's up with that? Well, us northern folk, you know, we'd swim in those temperatures. I don't think they do. Let me ask you guys, when it gets like... 60 degrees. Do you like put on parkas? No. No? All right. Nothing like California. They do that out there. I don't think it ever gets 60 degrees around here. Oh, maybe not. Well, we're here uh, in, the, in the boat, as I said before, and you know the story. We've been out on the road talking to people and inviting them back to the uh, RV afterwards for a beer and some conversation. Our first guest is Josh Carlisle. Hi, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Doing okay. Good to see you. So who are you and what do you do? Well, uh, I'm a local developer in Raleigh. Uh, I work for OnSphere, uh, which is a consulting company in the area. And uh, I do a lot of .NET development. Uh, been doing a lot of SharePoint work lately. Very good. You're not the first person who has said that. So uh, what kind of things have you been doing with SharePoint? Well, uh, most recently, uh, we've been doing some work with uh, an insurance company. So uh, they uh, wanted, m- most people use SharePoint as a collaboration tool, right. uh, team-based, uh, you know, they want to manage some projects in there. Sort of the office features of yeah, being able the to share features, documents. Office integration, things like that. Right, and, uh, right. Th- this customer's a little bit different. It's kind of interesting. They're actually using it as a service to their clients. Uh, so we're doing like a lot of collab, we're, they're doing the collaboration with their clients, but we're taking it a step further and uh, doing a lot of work with uh, uh, them getting uh, pretty graphs about how much money they're spending, uh, and uh, a lot, a lot of custom work. So this, you finding this takes the place of a lot of custom applications you would have developed normally, well, in I, the past, or I, I've been, I'm kind of new to SharePoint in the last uh, eight nine months, and I've okay. been always custom apps before that, and, and I'm finding, especially with uh, with some of the people who want to do some interesting things with SharePoint, that it's more like just developing in a different framework. Uh, yeah. We're not doing a lot of out-of-the-box things with this. It's still ASP.NET. It's just got a whole bunch of stuff attached to it. Sure, yeah. You have an API behind it, a uh, uh, SharePoint API. There's some uh, some tricks to debugging within uh, SharePoint uh, that you don't have in the ASP.NET world. Like, for for example? Well, you have to do uh, uh, you have to do some... You either have the option to actually do development with SharePoint locally uh, mm-hmm. on your development device, or you have to do some uh, interesting uh, remote debugging to be able to step through your code. And we all know how f- easy it is to set up remote debugging. Oh, it's just a joy. Through VPNs and firewalls and stuff like that. Oh, it's it, easy. It's a pure joy, especially when you're uh, VPNing yeah. into a, uh, a client up in New York. And this is a public-facing site, so there's, there's all their customers. Sure, sure, that, yeah. Are they all individually registered and things? So- yeah, we actually uh, we have some... Um, you know, our, our system of record is still a SQL Server database with your standard roles and permissions, but we're actually creating Active Directory accounts behind the scenes. Wow, uh, for, for all them. the customers. For all the customers. We have like a single sign-on, uh, a self-sign-on service where you can automatically create some accounts behind the scenes and, and, and things get registered in the appropriate groups and we create sites for them behind the scenes. And What uh, kind of numbers of uh, people are we talking about here? Uh, 
I think uh, we're in the middle of our 2.0 release, and the 1.0 release is more of a beta release. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, Limited but launch. We're, 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 talking, we're talking several thousand users. That's impressive. Several thousand users. And, and an interesting use of SharePoint. I mean, most people think of SharePoint as sort of the work group thing, 20, 30 people at most. And here you have this really far reach. And also, in, I mean, inside a firewall or inside a specific network or, you know, controlled access externally, sure. here you have this public-facing SharePoint site. That's, that's very unusual. It, it, I'm actually finding it more common, even with some of our other clients. Really? So they they, they want to collaborate with some of their vendors outside, uh, and 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 they just they they want to they see the power of it within their enterprise, right. and they want to see if they can start using some of that power outside the enterprise. And I can buy the vendor model because that's still a very fixed number of users, you know, an account or two per vendor kind of thing, and you know who you're signing on all the way. You start looking at your customer base. I mean, the numbers go way up, and you're not individually handholding each one onto the system either. You couldn't manage it. You know, several thousand customers. You don't want them all calling. You. Yeah, we've we've actually they ended up going with the model because it did get so complex. They ended up going with the model where where they delegated out local account res, uh, creation responsibilities uh, to to the local departments. Uh, uh, so because it w- was it was in fact getting too much to handle. So where's the gold in SharePoint? Where's the pot of gold? The the golden features or the or the, the absolute killer things? Where are they? Well. <laughs> First of all, it, it gives you a nice framework. I mean, you you get some framework with some other portal technologies like .NET Nuke and sure. you know, some of the other things. But but beyond that framework, uh, you get a lot of the out of box in- integration with with uh, Office products, which is very very popular in the enterprise. Anytime you can, on the client side, on, on the client saying, side, yeah. yeah, you can you can post documents and document repositories, do versioning, et cetera, et cetera, and and it's just very popular from that standpoint. But from this project, I don't think that's a major feature, right? The the customer is not providing Word docs, are they? No, not at all. Although we do have a lot of document repository customization like policies and things like that that people can download. Right. Uh, uh, but uh, in actuality, we're sure. not using a lot of the out-of-the-box features of SharePoint for this. Uh, yeah, it makes me wonder, would this have been better served by straight-up ASP.NET 2.0 rather than SharePoint? Or I, was it just a matter of you stick with what you know kind of thing? Well, I think it was more of an av- a matter of evolution. They, they originally created the product for for a small subset of their customers. So it was only a small base, and it got more popular and more popular and more mm. popular, so they started building lots of functionality onto it. Mm. Uh, so in some cases, yeah, in, in this particular case, when we're doing so much uh, customization, you know, it would have been great to, you know, to see us uh, actually if you know, 2.0 would have come out a little bit sooner yeah. uh, to see a major move towards that direction. So now that 2.0, you, you understand the full potential of ASP.NET 2.0, what are your plans? Well, um, the 2.0 model, unfortunately, uh, unless you uh, are following some... Uh, some extra third-party tools that might become available out there to host 2.0 web parts within the 1.1 world that that SharePoint 2003 is, you're pretty much stuck in the 1.1 world. And we're not looking at a new version of SharePoint until Office ships. What, end of next year? End of next year, yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, so SharePoint developers are going to unfortunately be stuck in the 1.1 world. But, I mean, there are some interesting projects going on out there that, uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he, 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 he develops something called a smart part. Hmm. And there's supposed to be a new version coming out uh, that will allow you to host a 2.0 smart part within uh, within the uh, t- SharePoint 2003 environment, hmm. which could be interesting. Now, yeah, it seems to me that if you know if you were restless enough and in, in, in not willing to wait, then you could be doing some things with ActiveX controls or .NET controls hosted inside IE to to do your client side integration, working with ASP.NET 2.0. Obviously, that's you're 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 planning on waiting for the SharePoint. Yeah, I, I think so. It depends. Uh, our office is, uh, we're actually already starting some 2.0 projects. 
uh, yeah. which, which is kind of interesting. And, and if anybody's seen some of the new 2.0 uh, uh, web part technology oh, yeah, and has worked with SharePoint, I love web you parts. know where they got the idea from. Sure. Uh, and, and it's going to be nice when those two models finally combine late next year. Yeah, you got to wait a year, but you got to imagine that's what exactly what they're working on is bringing those things together. Oh, sure. And that's, it's going to be a nice model where, I mean, I, I foresee a, a huge third-party component uh, a market just booming when you can have people who just are in the, outside of SharePoint have a web part that yeah. can buy it for that and your customers are in SharePoint can, can use those as well. Well, Josh, here's your opportunity to say whatever you want to the world. You have the floor. Uh, anything you want to say? I, I, yeah, I'd love to. I'd like to actually plug a little bit of something. Go for it. Um, well, it, it's, it's not exactly vaporware. It's vaporware to the rest of the world for at least another few weeks. Uh, but uh, I've actually uh, been working a lot with 2.0 lately uh, in the ASP.NET side. Uh, we have a lot of uh, healthy discussions locally here about uh, some of the open source community. And, Does it involve hammers and you know nails? and A, a little bit of jackhammering. But, yeah. Yeah, and a few <laughs> knives. But Baseball bats? No, I haven't. We, 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 Broken we, bottles? We've jumped kind of up to the the, 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 the sticks with nails in them. Uh, maces. Yeah. Very nice. Well, we're a little bit more primitive than Very that, but we're working yeah. our way up. <laughs> uh, but no, we, as you know, Red Hat's in the area. Yeah. Oh, right. I haven't thought about yeah, that. Red Hat's yeah, headquarters in is, here. We this have is a Red Hat town. Oh, yes. Look out. <laughs> That's why the parking lot at Microsoft was empty when we drove it. <laughs> <laughs> they park in the underground garage. There you go. <laughs> uh, but no, we yeah. have a lot of universities. So there's a, there's a lot of the other side. Right. around here. And so we've gotten a lot of healthy discussions about the open source community, even managing open source projects. You know, .NET has a huge community growing for open source projects. Uh, you see a lot right. of projects moving over to SourceForge and, and and even some people hanging out with .NET a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, uh, and, and Microsoft releasing stuff into the uh, SourceForge space as well. I mean, it's not that rare. Oh, sure. And it's well, just look getting, at .NET Nuke, right? That's .NET, an open yeah, source right .NET there. project. So, I mean, and so you have a lot of new projects that are .NET, and then you have a lot of projects that are a little, you know, coming over from the Java side and going, hey, wouldn't this be great to have this in .NET? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we started to see was that a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the sites that are, that are meant to host these are kind of primitive, uh, don't maybe have necessarily have the best features or the best performance. Uh, uh, and, and we were looking at uh, what they were lacking, and what they were lacking was a lot of things I had experienced within the SharePoint side, which was collaboration. Collaboration, uh, it's things that make a normal project su- successful in the en- you know in the enterprise and the corporate world. Uh, well, yeah, it wasn't the, really going I mean, over to the ability to communicate, the ability to keep a record of dialogue. You know, all that kind of information is accessible, containable. You know, that's what you look for to keep a, co- a dispersed project like an open source project functional. Exactly, and 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 and. and like most projects, I mean, it's distributed. You're working with people possibly around the planet. And, and a lot of the uh, uh, environments out there that are available to people today are simply some forums, uh, maybe a, few, a little defect tracker, and hey, hey, we got some source code repository here. Here you go. Here's all the tools. Uh, and so we, we were looking for uh, a friend of mine, and, uh, and we're looking for a better model. And, and uh, we saw so, seeing some of the portal features that, you, that are in ASP.NET 2.0 and some of the great personalization features. Uh, and so we kind of started taking that a step further and, and, and started thinking to ourselves, hey, wouldn't this be great? Uh, uh, to develop something in 2.0, learn 2.0, uh, and, and provide a service to the community. Uh, and so we, we, I, I started developing this around around eight months ago, and, and we're going for open beta uh, in the next coming weeks. And the site's actually called SourceCache.com, mm. and, and it has a little bit of a different Cache, model. SourceCache, C-H-E. That's correct. Yes. And it has a little bit of a different model from what you see. Got to know your audience here, or else you're going to get the wrong crowd coming to your website. That's right. 
Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that, that it, it's got a little bit different model because, um, you know, a lot of your open source developers, are, are they love to jump on projects. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so much of the site is actually exposed via web services. Cool. So for third-party integration, for some, some, some Joe developer saying, hey, Absolutely I want to integrate that geeky. in my website. And, you know, you just bet. really geeky stuff. I got to imagine you have RSS feeds. Oh, af- absolutely. <laughs> you know, every, everything is basically, when you come to the portal site, there's personalization features you get in ASP.NET 2.0. Uh, everything's exposed via web services. Everything's customizable, both at the project level and at your own dashboard. So you go in, you say, hey, I'm, I'm involved in three or four different projects. I can see all the tasks that are assigned to me. Cool. And even as a project manager, you can go in there and say, okay, you know, even open source projects have requirements. And so you have a list of requirements you can dish out to all your folks around the oh, world. Oh, yeah, they got requirements. They just don't follow they them. They just don't follow them. <laughs> or they don't document them. And, and, and just... Combining all those things together and just in a site, and, and that's what we're pushing for. And we're actually cool. releasing that next few weeks. So www.sourcecache.com. Yep. Josh, will be looking forward to that. Thanks a lot Thank for you. talking to us, man. I appreciate it. It's good to meet you. Good to meet you guys, too. Okay. So our second guest is Chris Love. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? So who are you and what do you do? Well, like I said, I'm Chris Love, and I started a company about five and a half, going on six years now, called Extreme Webworks. And I started it to develop and host websites for small and medium-sized businesses. And how, how's Biz? Busy. Yeah. Um, I really try to, there's two groups that I've, niches that I've, I've gotten to really enjoy fo- focusing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one is college booster clubs and the mm-hmm. other one is custom home builders. Wow. But I do a lot of e-commerce sites and normal websites, but I really like those two. Well, I imagine custom home builders must be booming, right? It's, yeah, uh, it can be. Especially right now around here because it's, they just had the parade at home. So every single oh. builder is calling me, can you update my site before the parade? And, oh. You know, all these rush jobs and stuff. But what, yeah. Side note, what is the parade of homes? Oh, uh, the local builders group around here has an annual parade of homes where they like, per, you know, put their they bring the houses features. down the street. Well, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> they, they, all the homes, they, a lot of the builders will build spec homes back in May and June to get them ready for October with yeah. all the latest and greatest features in it. And they want to show that off to everybody. Okay. And so it's like a tour, like an open yeah, house tour. It really is. It, it's, a, it's a glorified open house tour, but it's really awesome. important around here for the real estate world. Yeah, I bet. So, uh, what has been your role in this uh, company? You obviously started it, but I started you know, how, it, I own how far it. down do you go? Do you get your hands dirty in there? Oh, and, I'm constantly coding. Yeah. Uh, the past few months, it seems like 16 hours a day I've been writing code. So. Wow. And uh, ASP.NET, obviously. ASP.NET, I do all my new sites, unless a customer completely objects to it, in .NET new. Oh, okay. So, I do a lot of custom module projects. Uh, I really extend, uh, to me, I really extend the barrier on on a lot of the third-party controls where they take it. So I usually yeah. just roll my own and oh, wow. and, and do that. So, so .NET 3 is your uh, your playground? Most of my production sites, well, all my production sites are two. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to do the three thing. There was just such a giant leap from the two framework to the or to the three framework. From a skill sets point of view or a resources point of view? Well, also were, third-party controls, right? Like those that work with two don't always work with three. Et yeah, they don't migrate. There's a, there's a, essentially it's a whole different API. Right. Big uh, the, what I tell people that are kind of in the know is if you were beta one for .NET and beta two rolled out, it's about that much difference to me. Wow. So yeah, there's there's a lot of new th- features to it. There's a lot of new things you have to write your modules to talk to. So that kind of led to something else this summer for me to start porting my modules. Is I started writing essentially an adapter type framework. Uh, Great. To Working too, and then I can plug my my actual application piece into the three framework, and it and in theory it should work. So you basically developed a set of interfaces, and and then you just exactly. code according to those interfaces, and they snap right in. That's the plan. Yeah, and you have a batch <laughs> of your own controls that you use internally for your projects. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like uh, in the college booster clubs, there's, that's a whole customized set of application pieces 
that fits their fundraising model. The, the, the home builders obviously have a set of modules that meet their right, needs. Right, so very specific controls for that vertical. That's why you serve that vertical so well. Exactly. And then I've got a whole another set that are focused on the e-commerce type stuff. Right. And right. then, you know, seems like every customer I have has a special need. They need a special piece of application. Like some, like one that's been here recently is I'm going to extend, I'm going to have to extend the text module to do like a versioned text module so they can go back and have, a, have like control. Okay, I changed the terms of use. Today, and this customer signed up under that terms of use, and I need to let them know that, you know, that kind of came out, that kind of stuff. So so you I, find yourself writing .NET Nuke modules a lot yourself. It, mm-hmm. You must spend a lot of time trawling the internet for modules that have already been written, so you must have seen what what's out there. I poke around as much as I can, yeah, and especially try to find the, the ones that have sourced to kind of see what they've done, you know, yeah. architecture-wise, and, and and try to extend that if I can. Yeah. Um, if I see third-party modules out there that do stuff, then I kind of see, you know, okay, how can I roll that into something? Because, you know, generally my customers want to take whatever is there and extend it. It doesn't right. matter if it fits, you know, 90% of their needs. They want that 10% really bad. So you got to right. get that in there. And they come up with another 10% after that as well. So It's I mean, usually 100% after. After that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you ever find that it's just as easy to uh, use their classes as base classes and extend them that way through inheritance? Absolutely. That's what I do. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. You can't, uh, I mean, I, I take the portal module control, for example, in the, in the 2 framework. Right. And roll my own control classes out of that and then inherit from those to the mm-hmm. individual levels. Very cool. So what I was getting at before with all these third-party things, are there any are there any companies out there that are making just over-the-top, absolutely stellar .NET Nuke modules that you have to go see? Not in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate to say that because there are some uh, good modules out there. Yeah. But my problem is, is it? I can show that to a customer, yeah. and they go, hey, that's great. Let now, me do this. Now, can you make it do something completely opposite or just so, outside the realm of what the, other pro- the, the so developer the, was thinking? The moral of. of the story is, if you're building .NET Nuke modules, give the source away, or at least document the APIs, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so that so we can, can wrap your assemblies it. and extend them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing's ever going to fit the first try. You're always going to have to do something to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. that's the rule of thumb. Um, you know, I, I, one of the thing, big things I see in the .NET Nuke world is they're trying to create a core e-commerce framework. And my experience doing, you know, probably 30 or 40 e-commerce sites over the last six years is that no, not a single one of them has has needed the same features. Right. There's a few core things and, you know, they've got a product catalog. Right. But the product catalog is never the same. I've been had a, had a big furniture site I've been working on this summer and it has nothing to do with the doll site that I did five years ago. Yeah. And, Nothing to do with the other e-commerce site, so. There's always individual elements that are common between them, but they always fit together in a different order. Everybody needs something different, you know, whether it be the, I was just thinking about stuff like, oh, it's it's intangibles. It can be delivered online, so you need a delivery mechanism coupled to it, or it is shippable and you need to do custom ship pricing and what's the size of the object and all those kinds of things. So many variations there, you're never going to get it right. And the checkout flow, I have yet to have a oh, single yeah. customer that wants the same exact checkout flow, so you have to make it flexible enough to pull things, reorder things, kind of like you were doing with the code rush stuff, moving the variables yeah, around. Sure. <laughs> so it doesn't make the sound yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's your moment to uh, to plug anything you want. Obviously, we should plug your uh, your your company and or anything else you want to say to the world? Uh, yeah, my company is Extreme Webworks, and that's extremewebworks.com. Um, because of my .NET Nuke experience and the fact that I'm kind of getting a little breather here in the next few days, mm. I am trying to get together .NET Nuke Central.com mm. to be like a resource place for people to come get my philosophy of writing .NET Nuke stuff. Um, so I get a lot of people that ask me, you know, how do you do this? How do you do this? And 
and stuff because, you know, I write tons of modules. So. It sounds like you've got a lot of experience that other people can draw on. Exactly. And that's what I want to try to share and, and, and get out there. So you are sharing out those modules you put together for other people to use? Well, there's certain ones that I, that I will. Obviously, right. there's some core modules that I, I just can't that are really yeah, tied to they, certain things. Your work. Exactly. Right? They're, yeah. they're my bread and butter type core stuff right now. But, you know, I've got like my core Customers feedback. get angry when you give their code away. Yeah, but they wouldn't really know. But I mean, like, like a, <laughs> they will now. Yeah. You know, like I got a I got a feedback module. That'll be the first one I roll in there. I've got, yeah. a, you know, I've got that tested in three O and everything. Feel comfortable with that, and I'll I'll probably put my my photo gallery module up there. That kind of thing. So awesome, Chris. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Good luck in the business, and uh, we'll see you online. Thanks. Our next guest is Jim Henry. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? So tell us about yourself. Um, I'm the uh, the owner of a small firm here in uh, Durham, North Carolina that uh, deals with geographic information. It, okay. Uh, we've been doing this for about 20 years, uh-huh. and we have uh, been doing .NET things for the last couple. That's uh, We work very closely with a uh, uh, mapping information company, a location information company called MapInfo out of Troy, New York, and they've um, done some fa- fairly significant map uh uh, so, uh, GIS software that's based on a .NET, uh, uh, very complete acceptance of the .NET model. So this is basically the kind of system where you give an address and a range and some long and lats, and you get maps that you can integrate data-wise into applications. It, this it has exactly it has a, a much much more complete uh, range of, of okay. uh, functionality. The, the address we we have we have a an address server that is a is um, sits there as a web service. Mm-hmm. And is uh, separate from the actual mapping engine. Okay. And we have uh, a, a a product that uh, we have several products. Most of the most of our traditional products were com model uh, based, but this uh, our our new web product is a uh, an integrated, uh, typically aimed at municipal information or uh, organizations like utility companies, oh, or sure. that sort of thing, uh, where they have the ability. It's it's based on a on a popular portal that we've discussed here tonight okay as a front end and that where they uh we typically host the uh, sites for communities but the the product itself is able to uh, be completely maintained and and actually individual uh modules designed by the users within the community wow or the the town um our biggest customer is the town of Cary, which is not far from here wow that's fabulous so, uh, so .dot nuke is what we were getting at. Um, right that's that's a, fr- a front end for it that, that we ends. use part of that, and then then the uh, the actual mapping engine is something called Map Extreme, two thousand and four, mm-hmm. and um, it does most of the you know, most of the mapping things, but though most of the setup and uh, management activities are uh, done through .dot nuke. The software that you write is not software that you're just giving away to the public. No, it, it's it's a subscription yeah, that, subscri- that uh, okay. the the, uh, the uh, communities that yeah. uh, use it. Um, and are you building are you building custom websites for clients based on this, or get, are you making these available for developers of .NET New? It's, it's both. Both. Oh, good. We would do it both ways. Good. And what's the web address again? The uh, our web address is uh, jchgis.com. Okay. And the company is JCHGeoInfo Solutions. Now, I mean, you've been in this business for twenty years. I guess it's been. Twin- before there was a whole lot of mapping software running out of there. I guess your background's not necessarily in computers. Um, my degree was in chemistry. Oh, really? Great. <laughs> right. Not uncommon. But, uh, it was, uh, but not, I mean, not even a geospatial specialist, but, uh, you know, just an yeah, engineering it, 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 it Basically, I think, it, you know, and, and the interesting thing is that uh, I think you look at 
uh, if you deal with this as, a, as a, an information uh, and go back to the concepts of how it is an information science and, and deal with, you know, a true uh, issues, most of the uh, seductions of uh, a lot of the sciences uh, have traditionally been the, the information component and how that fits together, the problem-solving pieces and all that, which are, are really uh, not as satisfied nearly as well by, by the hard sciences as they are by uh, more of the, 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 the information sciences that have come out Absolutely. since then. Uh, an interesting story I like to tell was in an early effort that was back in 1985 or 86. There was a, I was involved with a, a, a company that was a true pioneer in the industry. And I was a project manager on an effort to put, produce what ended up being the first viable GIS system on a PC. And the, uh, and it, you know, and it was on, running on an IBM PCAT uh-huh. and had a 286 processor, a 20 megabyte hard drive, and less than one megabyte of heart. Uh, Would you believe memory. just last night we were reminiscing about the 20 megahertz AT? Where yes, we, we were. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. And the interesting thing here was that the mouse was a new pointing device yeah. that was not known to the PC community at all. Mm. The developer, the programmer that was doing the, the drivers for the mouse was left-handed. Mm. So that the pick button on the mouse, since no one was <laughs> setting up any standards at that point, the pick button was the right button. Huh. And uh, and and everyone that was right-handed had to uh, just sort of use a mouse backwards. Uh, <laughs> it it soon became something that was adjustable in in the yeah. code, but uh, the original system was that way because the developer was left-handed. So we've come a long way since then with with uh, some of the things that. Uh, and in the development that you do, is it in is it building components, building web pages for dot you know parts for dot and nuke both. It's mostly it's it's mostly building things within the map map extreme two thousand and four. Okay, and the and the web the .dotnet nuke is is uh, where we've done do some things, but mostly that is is involved in the the interfaces for the uh, the the clients to to maintain data and to d- develop uh, their uh, their their given applications. An interesting thing that we've just done here recently, I think is a kind of an interesting, most, most GI, most municipal GIS uh, websites are, I think, aimed mainly for the, the GIS guru for the, you know, that's, that's working there. And, and and they have way too much information for the typical person that's in the community. They can't, you know, they don't know what they're looking at. They, they get lost. And Carrie has been very interesting and they were very instrumental in the design of this, uh, product uh, initially with the idea that they wanted it to be something that allowed people just to answer questions all right interesting where you know where do i go to where's where's a park i can play tennis in? so natural language processing yeah, that's it i mean yeah. let's let's just deal with the map as being a solution set yeah of of a question that somebody's going to ask yeah the challenge here is the interface to it that's it Make it as simple, and and you really, I mean, it's one one of those things where people that are very familiar with, with the concepts of of the geographic uh, components are have a hard time dumbing down, or it's not so much dumbing down, but just Being limiting limiting yeah. limiting the amount of information you throw at somebody that's not used to seeing it. Right. So the, you know, we came up with uh, two new uh, modules this last week. One was to tell people when their leaves will be picked up at the curbside. Uh. All right, you t- you pipe in your address. Sure. The question is, when is my le- when are my leaves picked up? And it comes back with where you live and shows what what uh, your pickup date is and and what groups you are and when. Wow, that's a very vertical slice of using GIS 
isn't it? It's I, I feel like that's the sort of you know you give somebody the answer because the component the the geographic location is the thing that ties the the, the question together. I, what I love about that question is it's so natural. It's just the sort of thing nobody with any technical background concerns at all would ask and would have to phone someone at the city to get that answer. That's the exact the exact piece yeah. that we've looked at. And we have we have another product that's something we call School Find, which is designed for school systems. And it was designed with an earlier um, uh, traditional ASP. It actually used a, a, a programming interface that was designed by a local company here called Hot. Um, that was a... Uh, was again it was an earlier map extreme and it was designed for you know I live here where does my where do my kids go to school mm. it was not so much used by well it's used by parents a lot and but the largest users cruiser group seems to be real estate agents oh right and sure. uh, so it's where did we have, I'm going to list this house what <laughs> school district is what it in what school do they go to and the uh, school systems that we've installed it in have suggested that it has saved at, at least a half of a person they save one whole, you know, one half of a person per, you know, per year in within the first year in answering telephone calls of that type. Wow. So, I mean, that's not hard to pay for something sure. of that sort. And the real estate people have to get their answers one and, way or another. And, and, you, really have to, well and you really have to dumb down your, your solutions. If you're going to talk to real estate agents. Probably. Oh, <laughs> so, it's a, here's the, your opportunity to plug anything you want or say anything you like to the world. Well, I just uh, just would, would love for people to look at uh, this kind of a solution. It's um, you can you can find it at our website. It's there's a link to it off of the the www.jchgis.com site. It's the Cary application on the front page, and and uh, or you can go to the, the townofcary.org, and they have right. a a a, uh, a link to their leaf leaf pickup or another <laughs> another thing that's very interesting they, they have just broke gone to the idea of curbside garbage collection and right. uh this is a fairly big deal and and so delivering the curbside garbage containers is is a task that we have now put on the map with with, <laughs> with sgis just sort of like the the, the leaf pickup so well it's been right. great talking to you well, John. thank you very much this has okay. been a treat for okay. us too take thank care you. thank you and guest number four is rick kreiselman right Right. Correct. Uh, how are you, Rick? I'm fine. Doing well. So tell us about yourself. Well, I'm an independent contractor. been in uh, data processing since, oh my God, uh, 72 or so. Uh, mostly in the pharmaceutical world. Uh, got laid off from that, that whole thing and uh, went into um, managing IT shops. For, was uh, this 1972? Well, no, 72 was all down in Florida, and that was oh. DOT stuff. And, I but, was five. But in, yeah. So. <laughs> but you're lucky. Most of the guys I see, they haven't even been born yet. So. <laughs> and they don't know anything about punch cards or yeah, stuff like that. Yep. But uh, did a lot of years in the pharmaceutical world and uh, was working with a clinical trials firm. And then when oh. the economy went south, they, they uh, whacked everybody over there. Mm. So I've been doing my own thing, and that was a that was a great opportunity to kind of shift gears. I was a Delphi guy. Now I'm a .NET guy. So uh, mostly in the ASP world. And yeah. uh, now, what's I look on your shirt? Purple Frog Racing. What is that? It's yeah, a purple, purple shirt. Purple Frog Racing. My brother-in-law has a race team out of Florida, and uh, he races a Formula Continental car. 
And uh, we've been racing for, oh man, 48, 56, I guess 12 years now. Wow. And uh, he's he does this at the SCCA level, Sports Car Club of America. It's all club racing. Okay. Funds it out of his own pocket. Hmm. And uh, I'm one of his crew members. And uh, awesome. this, this past year, we decided to go to the Nationals and take the National route where we were running in the uh, regionals down here in the South. Hmm. And got qualified, went up to mid-Ohio for the championships. And... Uh, promptly crashed the car in qualifying. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, it was. But uh, it was really interesting, the uh, the uh, internet community. My brother-in-law is a, is a very active person on apexspeed.com. Mm. And, uh, you know, he crashed the car. We went off to hospital, came back, and, and there was five guys standing around saying, you know, we'll get you a car to drive in the, in the race on Saturday. And he said, uh. well, I couldn't afford to do what I've done to my car to yours, so yeah, right. no thanks. We went to we went up to Canada, did the falls, and while we were out, there was a fundraising effort done on ApexSpeed.com uh, oh. to raise over fifteen thousand dollars in promissory insurance money. That if he wrecked the car, they would pay for it. Oh, that's so cool! So we went back, raced, and uh, you know had a had a great weekend. And that's the whole purple frog thing. And wow. I figured I'd wear the shirt tonight because it you know would make people want to ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked out, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great story too. Yeah, man. but I wanted to I wanted to bring up a little bit more what Jim had to say on the uh, on the mapping information system that we've put together. Because okay, so you work with Jim? I, well, yeah, I'm, I contract some work with him. Didn't I call you John? I did, didn't I? I'm sorry, Jim. Yeah, he answers to anything. <laughs> <laughs> But what we, when we were first approached by the town of Cary, you know, they said, well, we want this mapping system. In. And uh, we said, okay, fine. And, but they had a mapping system. And I said, so right. if, you look, if you have a mapping system, what's wrong with it? And what do you want uh, to do that it can't do? Right. And they had a, they had a tremendous amount of problems with uh, keeping the information up to date. They were running stuff in one system and then had to convert it to the other to get it online. And so they wanted a way to make that much more dynamic, but they yeah. still wanted it all web-based. Um, so what we wound up doing was, as Jim said, we put in the portal, which was the whole .NET Nuke front end, yep. uh, wrote some custom modules for them so that they could actually control what the content on the website is for their maps. You know, if they want it to say property information or curbside pickup or whatever, they control all that. They don't come back to us and say, we need to make a change and add right. something. They That's do a it all feature. Through, the, through the modules. And the yeah. other the yeah. other thing is, is with all the mapping things, they control all the map information. And this is like, this is like hundreds of data sets that, you know, they want to be able to set the map in motion and then upload it to the main, upload it to the server so that they can uh, then publish the stuff. So in the .NET Nuke world, that you know, one of the modules that I I wound up procuring this one, it's a File Manager Pro or something like that for .NET Nuke, where they can just zip up the right. file, send for it up, and then it just website, explodes right. it and puts it up there, and it's immediately yeah, available. Yeah, I found to the, the FTP unbelievably is a huge barrier for many people. You know, with servers and firewalls, it uses two ports, right? It uses yeah. twenty and twenty one, and not all the firewalls have that open. And do you use passive mode? Do you not? got to set up an account yeah it's a lot it it really it really is taxing so for their efficiencies that's what we put into place on that of course it's got all the security too you know jim elaborated you can go to the website and see stuff but there's a whole bunch of other maps out there the town of Kerry uses 
uh, police tracking and crime scenes and all that cool. kind of stuff is sitting out there internally to them. So that's very cool. So your um, role as a developer in this, uh... I did, I did all the architecture work on the system and bringing the two things and the concepts together and then developed the modules for the .NET Nuke world and then, and then managed one of Jim's persons to, um, do the actual mapping. So are you guys also using .NET Nuke 2.0? Yes, we use 2.0 right now, and for the same reasons, it get the 3.0 is a, a significant change. Right. And and my latest thinking is, as you look at as you look at what's coming out with Visual Basic two or Visual Studio 2005, right, and the web portal things, eh, we may we may want to make a whole other change in the architecture. Yeah, it's a very challenging choices now. I mean, ASP 2.0 and the new framework is a lot of stuff in there. It's really some cool stuff in there too. Have you thought about using any mobile devices out on the field? Uh, We've talked about it. Uh, we haven't gotten any plans at this point for that. Yeah, get your garbage pickup guys out there with their iPods <laughs> and their well, not the, iPod, iP- iPacks, I guess. Yeah, well, they can push their little button when they do the garbage Pocket pickup PC so you phones. can keep up with them, you know? Yeah, right. Big Brother will be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here's your chance to uh, plug or say something. Uh, well, you, you know, I'd just like to thank you guys for the road trip you're doing. I think this is a tremendous thing and getting a lot of visibility. Uh, I was really hesitant to come. You were talking Visual Basic. It's not my language. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, it was worthwhile for you? Yeah. It really was. I enjoyed it, and it's a it's a great time, so I appreciate oh, that. Well, we're glad we could come, too. Okay. Yeah, we're enjoying ourselves a lot. It's the most fun I've had all year. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Our next guest is Mark Hutchinson. Hi, Mark. Good evening. And uh, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm an independent software consultant, contractor, developer, programmer, analyst. Hunter, gatherer. Hunter, gatherer, trainer, do all. I always take a towel with me when I walk on water because my ankles get wet. (laughs) A little bit of everything, right? A little bit of everything. I noticed you particularly had a lot of fun tonight. You're a very animated audience member. Well, and I'm also a member of the Carolina Health and Humor Association. So we bring oh, we bring uh, health and humor into hospitals. You or, know the value of a good laugh. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, thump that thymus. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Isn't there like a, you know, I heard about this. There's this club in Japan, a laughing club. We've got these one here. Japanese men, they sit around in for health reasons. Just laugh. They just laugh. Right. Belly, deep belly laughs. Yeah. That's, that's, we've got one here. Wow. Very cool. And that's you, you the whole idea? Ca- right. It meets prior to the regular Carolina haha ha And are, are there jokes involved, or do you just learn how to laugh? Just pantomime laughing. Really? And sometimes they vocalize them. See, we it's, get, really we bizarre, it's really bizarre pantomime. to watch people laugh. Pantomime laughing. So you're not really laughing. You're, you're acting as if you're laughing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great effect to do on a radio show. Right yes, there. I know. There's <laughs> <laughs> another one of them visual gags on a radio yes, show. Yes, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Imagine a guffaw without sound. So, well, okay. So, so what is your role as a uh, in the development world? Well, okay. Uh, so I do. A, I still do a lot of office applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, the this, even though this is .NET, it's okay. Uh, it's office, all applica- office applications haven't gone away, and they really aren't .NET. It's still VBA. No, as much as we'd like them to be, they're, they're not. They're not. It's not right. it, only if you go VSTO, and that's really not automating the application. That's putting something else and plugging the application on the back end. Yeah, VSTO is so that you can take your .NET application to Office, not use .NET to manipulate Office. Yeah, launch, right. some, launch assemblies from Word docs and Excel spreadsheets is what it's for. Right. Yeah. Like Ole Automation. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Basically the same thing, just for the other flavor. Right. 
Um, so I do a lot of a lot of things with. Uh, Migrating data from hither and yon, uh, compensating for applications that are very poorly written. Sorry, they're the hardware guys, and they say, well, we're a hardware company. We're not a software company. Well, you don't have to tell me. I've seen your application. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, I also started the uh, RTP Delphi Interest Group, which... Yeah. Which is where I knew Rick. In fact, Rick at Rick Chrysler and I go back to the late seventies, where he and I both worked together in uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shields. So we go back a long, long ways. So you've been in this business a long time, obviously. Oh, yeah. doing stuff way before. Yeah, Net. systems programming during sure. the eighties, uh, database, datacom, uh, mainframe stuff, and then yeah. my switching into the uh, the desktop platforms and servers and whatnot in the the nineties. So if you're an office guy, what on earth are you doing here? Well, this group used to be the Visual Basic and Access user group, and then ah. it morphed and migrated when we realized, oh, my God, look at all this .NET stuff that we're going to have to learn. So we repurposed the organization, and I stuck around. And now that 2.0 is coming around, I'm going, you know, all those people that walked away because they, they weren't really power professional developers, yeah, you know, maybe we ought to reach back and yeah. – and grab say, some of those. Uh, yeah, grab some of those and say, yeah, we do have something to offer you here. Studio 2005 is way more approachable now. Yes. It's amazing the difference. And I'm really glad that Microsoft's taking a second look back at all the programmers, the, the VB guys, the classic guys. Oh, absolutely. That, that they left in the dust. Yeah. And and as a trainer, I can see that the problem was the training, the, the object-oriented training or lack of it that – Microsoft didn't require people to do back right. in the classic days, yep. and it's really mandatory that you you have to pick it. You have to roll your own classes. You have to do can't OO. get around it. You got to do OO, and it's something that's still missing today. So you're a trainer, you said. You that's one of the hats that that's you wear. One of the hats that I wear. Yeah. So you and I have that in common, and I always found it very challenging to have both the sort of access level programmer. Uh, in a class where you're going into full object orientation and all this kind of stuff, you know, you're talking to VB programmers, VB6 programmers who at least understand a little bit about classes. They don't understand inheritance, but they understand a little bit about building classes. And then you've got the access guys who have got no experience with classes and stuff. And I found that I've had to put a prerequisite on my, you know, on my class that you must have experience with VB6 and, and some kind of relational database. But every once in a while, I get an access programmer or, you know, VBA programmer who, who says, oh, you know, I've been doing VBA. It's the same thing. You know, I'll, I'll be able to pick this stuff up. And sometimes they make it through day two. Well, one of the things you have to do is create <laughs> is create a prerequisite class, a, a lead-in, an intro class, in order to give them those fundamentals yeah. or actually to require them, okay, you've got to read these chapters in this and book. And I think it's more than that. I think that they you have to... You have to get that basic fundamental object stuff, and then you have to go away and digest it and play with it before you can even go on to day three or day At four. At least play with it. Yeah, yeah. Get, get a little bit, a bit of experience. Understand how Consuming it works. collections. It's really, yeah, there's really no substitute for burning a little code, right? That, that first OOP app, it's like the first clutch in your first car. You don't get anywhere, and you make some bad smells, and you bounce around a lot, and... And then you write the next app, and things are a little better. A little bit better. I think one of um, one of the sponsors of this road trip is doing something interesting in that space, actually, Inner Workings. I was very interested. I'm going to visit their website. Yeah, because, you know, that's the kind of stuff where an, a programmer can sit down with 
here's how you do it. Now practice, you know, get some practical experience. You're obviously, you know, inexperienced, too inexperienced to be on the job doing this. So, and a lot of people have hard time sort of coming up with big projects, conceiving of projects that they can push themselves with, like the bigpumpkins.com guys, you know, did. Um, so this is a good opportunity, I think, to get some practice with, with stuff and get some feedback on whether you did it right or not. Right. Yeah. And I also, uh, in doing research, uh, came across something very interesting, which will affect both the .NET people in the VB world and VB Classic people. Yeah. And that's using the pseudo-random number generation capabilities within Visual Basic, the randomized statement, and Mm -hmm. the rand function. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, an application that I wrote where I had an access database, and I'm going to send uh, send data up to a LAMP server, Linux, uh, Apache, MySQL, PHP, mm-hmm. uh, expose a survey to somebody. They finish taking the survey. We suck that data back down into the access database, do lots of statistics and, and reporting on it. Yeah. Add a, add a row into a table. Take the row ID, which is an auto-increment field, which I'd actually made more random in my mind by making it random instead of sequential. Mm-hmm. Plus to minus 2.14 gig, <laughs> billion, excuse me. And um, then I generated, so it used that number as the seed to the pseudo-random number generator function within Visual Basic and generated 30 random things, right? characters. Huh. And that, was that in fact, was the key that we would send out in an email. Mm. And I just happened to be mentoring somebody in the client's office when the error popped up, duplicate key. Wow. What are the chances of that? Oh, guess what? Wow. Guess what? In discussions with my crypto guy, we thought that the weakness to the visual basic random number, pseudo random number generator, I call it Pring for right. the time being, was that it had a cycle of 16 to the 24th, 16.77 million the cycle would repeat itself. Are you talking about VBNet? No. No, VB. VB, VB right, right now. Yeah. VB, VBA, VB. It'll get to VB, VB.net. If right. you migrate, just migrate your application, this will happen in mm. your application. Uh. But I, I'm only using 30. Why am I right. getting a duplicate? Turns out that the randomize statement takes your... Any numeric expression, which is the online help, says your your seed can be any numeric expression. Yeah. They cast it into a single floating point number. Then they mosh that down into two bytes by XORing the first and third oh, bytes man. and the second and fourth bytes. Just to make uh. sure that they have a positive number, they then XOR those two with two more bytes, depending upon the sign, the original sign of the number that you gave it. So... There is now, guess what? Only 64K unique sequences available within the VB Pring. And if you've migrated your VB Classic app into .NET using the migrate feature, that's what you got. So you have two uses of the random number generator. One is for like random colors, numbers, blah, 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 stuff that doesn't necessarily have to be unique. And An- then another there's... S- another statistics. And then there's... Yeah, right. And then there's system.cryptography.randomNumberGenerator. Or system.random. Yeah. So system.cryptography.randomNumberGenerator. Uh, system system security 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 or, 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 or,
Yeah, they're two but different. This, the the system dot random one is the one that it that it uh, migrated you to, right? No, 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 no. It it, it translates the code into Microsoft dot Visual Basic namespace, which is oh, the, the implementation okay. class of Rand and randomize. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So if you, so, there's three is what we're saying. There's the the one the that comes VB the one that comes compatibility with layer. Yes. There's the system random. Which is a, probably a little more bit better, but maybe, well, that's, maybe that's not. Statistically, that's statistically random. But the strongest one is system.security cryptography yes. random number yes. generator. And if, and if you've got, you know, got the applications, there are, there are other random number, pseudo random right. number sequences. Yeah. Anything in the computer world is not random. It's pseudo random. Sure. Unless you hooked up to a Geiger counter or something. <laughs> atmospheric, yeah. atmospheric pressures worldwide. Yeah, you, you need a brownie and generator, something yeah. that just creates create some real randomness. Infinite the impro- chaos infinite component. improbability engine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's your chance to say something to the world. Anything you want to say? Uh, well, one thing that I didn't mention, I'd probably like to uh, have people look at a website. I've, I've created and still in the process of creating an intrusion detection and prevention system called Shunner. Wow. So you go to shunner.net, shunnertech.net, shunnertech.com, shunner. So this involves hardware? No, it's all software. And we wrote it on the Windows system since, guess what? That's the most vulnerable. So it's cameras and this kind of stuff i irda intrusion pretension prevention for the computer for the computer oh i thought you meant for your yes but all behind the firewall so we're the castle guard we're we're not the defenders of the castle wall firing our arrows out across the moat we're the constables patrolling in the village inside Right. Bring out your dead. Bring out <laughs> your dead. <laughs> Uh-oh. So that that's what I wanted to say. Cool. Just more or less a warning to anybody who might have migrated their applications from VB old, VB classic, into the VB.net world. There is a certain, certain vulnerability in the pseudorandom number generator. If you're relying on uniqueness, you don't count on it. Yeah, you can't count on it. Use the, use the .NET stuff. Yeah. And the Shunner website? shunner.net right okay great thank you mark it's great talking to you appreciate it thanks for coming by thanks have for fun on, have fun the rest of your trip you bet. thanks for being a great audience our next to last guest is rob zelt how are you rob i'm doing wonderful good evening gentlemen well thank you for being here and um tell us about yourself uh i work for a company called the phone experts communications where i'm the uh one and only developer so i get to see a lot from mobile devices to tablet pcs to database uh, management the whole works um i'm also involved locally with uh, the toronto user group who's happy to have you here tonight as well as inetta uh, i work on their community activities division where we work to uh, plan activities for user groups across the country and around the world yeah fabulous so you're the guy who I sort of coordinated with on the, on the email coming down in here, one of them anyway. Um, what do you do on a day-to-day basis, programming-wise? Um, well, being with a, a smaller company and being the, uh, the only developer. Pretty it, much it, everything. It, right? It's uh, <laughs> a lot of everything. Um, you know, the whole enterprise model of uh, you know, specking projects and, you know, prototypes and 
six month, nine month development cycles. That just that's not my world. I mean, right. A lot of my my prototypes are meant to be in uh, production by the end of the day. Um, <laughs> you know, you work more on a feature to feature basis as opposed to anything long term. Yeah, I know the feeling. I mean, I do all the programming for the show, and it's really just me, and that's you know a couple other people that don't program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, requirements can often be a voicemail message. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> email. Well, this is what I thought of in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. That's where, you know, I'm a big fan of .NET just because of the productivity factor and with a lot of the changes coming up. It allows developers that are, you know, don't have the, the resources of a large enterprise to really, you know, produce things. Um, take an idea, get it into people's hands, make changes, and grow with it very quickly. Yeah. You know, with a lot of the expense of, you know, time of long development cycles. So tell us about something you've been working on lately. That's fun. Um, one of the fun projects has been uh, dealing with Virtual Earth. Uh, yeah. The new Microsoft thing, which you guys have been using. Well, and, we haven't uh, our, ourselves, well, but we've been hosting. We've been yeah. following you on yeah, <laughs> yeah. Virtual Earth. Yep. Dr. And Neil and his guys. The thing that, that sort of goes hand in hand is you know some of the Ajax uh, technology. Um, yep. So I've been working on some different things. One is taking a, a GPS and my mobile device and uh, mapping that as well as sending notifications to people such as my, uh, the project actually started from my wife who uh, once in a while I'll go pick up after work and hate to make a cell phone call to let her know I'm there. So we've got a little application that resides in her PC. When my uh, phone says that I'm nearby, she gets a message pop and... Uh, it's like the world's most the sophisticated electronic leash. Exactly, but you know, <laughs> it, it has an off-on switch. It's like a proximity <laughs> detector for you. Yeah, being beep, off beep, and beep. on. Um, and so doing some There's of that, been taking a disturbance different, in the force. <laughs> uh, been taking that further by taking different data sources, such as earthquake information or hurricane tracking data, anything that has a, yeah. a GPS coordinates, and then you know mapping that and playing around with some of the uh, new functionality in Atlas and doing some real time updates. So a lot of different fun projects. I mean, we found Atlas isn't something that we've talked about on the show before. Can you give an elevator speech about that? Um, Atlas was. Uh, at least as far as I know, debuted out at the PDC, and it's Microsoft's framework to do Ajax-type um, development, which is basically using uh, client-side JavaScript within a web browser to communicate back with web services or web service-like um, infrastructure. Yeah, without refreshing the without page. Without refreshing the page. Right. Um, so some of the you know, initial applications have been uh, um, websites that, let you, you know, type in uh, information, have real-time information pop up, photos preloading, yeah. uh, map information showing up, or any, any sort of real-time information. Sure. And the coolest thing is it's not just a way that, of doing it uh, or anything specific. Because Ajax has been around for a long sure. time. A lot of people have been doing it. But Microsoft has really created a framework that allows you to do a lot of things in the same way you do other .NET activities. Um, to do that similarly, um, using a lot yeah, they, of the OO things they make we're it used a pleasure to, to do, right? Um, exactly, yeah. and you know, it, it's really exciting uh, to see where they're taking it. Yeah. I can't wait till the version of the uh, a studio that actually integrates that kind of programming right into it. Yeah, exactly, and, it, and it's different because a lot of you know suddenly you're taking C sharp or VB guys and saying, okay, now you got to deal with all this JavaScript, and yeah. you know how does that interact and take that data set and work with it in JavaScript, and you know they provide a lot of tools to to make it easier. It's still Difficult to wrap your head around some of the it's things. It's not but, simple uh, stuff. And the funny part, of course, the technology has been there for a while. You know, since since the, the you know IE four and the DOM, we've had XML HTTP. You just had to figure out how to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back then we were using Notepad to use it, and now we're <laughs> using Atlas. And some of our in in one of our sponsors again. This is like you know show showcase the sponsor night, but yeah, Telerik controls. 
they're really pushing their uh, asynchronous, you know, controls and their Ajax type stuff now. It's big. It's a huge thing. And I think you know it's a it has been a concern for a long time with Microsoft promoting the smart client architecture. People right. worrying about you know where is the web going and you know our browsers dead. And you know it's a good sign to see emphasis being put you know, into the browser and see that there's effort there at the same time that we're talking about Avalon or uh, yeah whatever its acronym is. Yep. And yeah, well Avalon and ultimately Vista, the new uh, Windows Vista is going to uh, change that whole look. I think we'll finally. It'll be an interesting day when websites look dated because the apps are so sophisticated in interface. Exactly. And you know, some of the websites you see today have exactly the same functionality you'd expect on a desktop. Yep. Um, you know, whether it's uh, lookup fields that uh, you know, auto-populate for you or sure. uh, lots of cool stuff. So what's next for you? Uh, right now, we're, uh, through Ineta, very involved in the community launch of the Visual Studio uh, products. Uh, as you guys know, in your road trip and... Microsoft on November 7th is starting a, a series of launch events across the country, but as well, user groups uh, all across North America are planning their own launch events where they're training uh, local speakers, members of the user group, on the same content that Microsoft is training their internal speakers. Fabulous. This is to remind you of the original Dev Days. This is what Dev Days was all about, was local speakers talking about the new tools. That's right. And then it turned into just sort of a marketing orgy, didn't it? Yeah. Well, remember when Dev Days meant developer days, like development <laughs> tools? Right, right, right. Now, the whole user groups and code camps thing has been very good for the, very healthy for the community. I'm really glad Microsoft is getting behind it, too. So, so uh, okay, Rob, here's your, here's your opportunity to your extract your pound of flesh or, or, or promote something or push anything you want, oh, say uh, anything you like. As a, as a parting word, I'd just like to encourage people to go out and you know find your local user groups. If it's not something you're involved in, they're a great resource, a great networking opportunity. And if your user group is not involved with Ineta, uh, please check out Ineta at Ineta.org and look for their launch events and even more exciting things we're planning in the, the year ahead. So. And folks in Raleigh should be looking to you. What's the website? The uh, triangle.net user group is trinug.org, T-R-I-N-U-G.org. And we post information about our uh, monthly general meetings as well as weekly special interest groups that cover a broad spectrum of information. And also, by extension, if you're one of those guys who looks around and it's 100 miles for, to go to your nearest uh, user group and there's a bunch of people in your town that you, you could use something like this, contact Inet about starting your own. Yeah, right? We have some great startup kits and uh, a great resource for uh, materials and speakers. Excellent. Rob, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right. Our final guest this evening is Adam Duggan. Hi, Adam. Hi there. So tell us about yourself. Well, I'm uh, work-wise, I'm a partner in a local uh, consulting and custom development firm. We do .NET, Callisto Systems. We've been uh, we've been using .NET since pretty much since it released, and have done a lot of different projects. Uh, you know, the wide range from ASP.NET to Compact Framework to Smart Client. It's been a it's been an interesting experience. But uh, what I what I wanted to talk about a little bit was a is a product that we've just recently released. Sure, it's called Quote Advantage. It's a add on for Microsoft CRM. Okay, so it, it it's actually a enhances the quoting capability of of CRM. Okay, and so go ahead talk about it. Well, um, CRM out of the box is pretty pretty basic. I mean, you you do a quote. It's you know when you're trying to add line items, you just do a basic search um, through the product list and you add one item at a time. And 
we we provide some uh, some we have some CRM background. We've done done some of this before, and so we tried to add some value in terms of giving you um, several several layers of of benefit at the at the top level. We uh, let you define sort of trees of your product your your you know product catalog so that you can categorize your products instead of it just being a flat list. Sort of separating it into to specific genres or groups of products that some of them might buy together. Exactly. And then we kind of continue from there to let you, uh, in, in CRM by default, it's just a flat list. So, you know, you know, bill of materials part by part where what we do is let you say, you know, this product actually is a more complex product and you need to put these options on it. Like say for a computer, you need to, you need to have the following set of things. So would you like fries with that? Exactly. So, so more importantly, not missing a vital component out of a quote. There you go. So that, that's the, that's the trick is to have a a valid quote. And, um, so, so we let you model that and say, you know, these are the following categories that this product's going to need so that when the user adds that product, then they, then, then they're get driven to the list of here are the things that you can choose, uh, to add to that product, Mm. the options. And, um, so, so that it's kind of like if you think about the Dell, uh, the Dell ordering system. You know, once you add your, once you pick your your computer, then here are the following things that you can grab to to add on to yeah, it. Yeah, that's where they really make their money too. Ex- yes, yeah. yes. And then finally, at the at the deepest level, we actually let you do some uh, some some rules about you know this item requires this other item. So you know if you if you want to have um, the fast disk drive, you've got to have the upgraded controller or, right. um, this item doesn't work with this other item so that you can't have two things that, that wouldn't work together. So really that rules engine seems to be what the, the huge value is in this quoting system. That's the, that's the, the where the, com, where the quotes get really complex. That's where the value is. It, it, there, there's value at all the levels, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, when you've got a, a real ugly, uh, you know, complex PC or something you need to configure. And so you develop this in... It's it's all in ASP.NET, so it's all in .NET. C Sharp, VBNet. It's in C Sharp. Okay. Yep. And so, obviously, you built a bunch of components, and then you have a web app behind it. This is an N-tier solution, I take it. Yeah, and, you know, we're we're storing everything in the CRM database. So, really, we're kind of, uh, you know, we're an add-on to it. So, Great. We, we, we run as, a you know, one of the pages in CRM, and then it's pretty transparent as far as, um, how you how you you know work with our quote and then it's just right there in the CRM system. Fabulous. So what's the uh, what's the uh, URL to this? URL is errorfreeorders.com. Errorfreeorders.com. You got it. Awesome. So if you're using CRM out there, check it out. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No, I think that's pretty much it. Other than to thank you guys. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the roadshow and good. I also have listened to .NET Rocks for. Several years now, I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, learn a lot on my commute every day that I have the opportunity. So. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Okay. And we will catch you in Atlanta. Atlanta? Where we're going to be on- How are we uh, going to get there? Tomorrow. And we're not, again, repeat, not going to Orlando. No, afraid not. Yeah, so we won't be doing that. But we will be having fun in Atlanta. We pro- probably will be even recording some stuff with Rory for next week's oh, I hope Mondays. So. That should be out of control. Or the week after that. Something like that. All right. Well, until then, we're signing off. Thanks. Bye-bye.